Well, um, we're glad to be here with you tonight. Um, my name is Brett Brewster, and this is my wife, Jan. We've been married 35 years and have two sons, Garrett, who is 30 and married to Alex, and Travis, who is 27 and married to Robin. Uh, I think, let's see, there's our family now, so you can see us with our two sons and daughters-in-law, and I think we may have a photograph, if you can believe it, that was a couple of days before we got married, we were very young, so um, anyway, uh, we were high school sweethearts, and we're grateful today for God's grace in saving us and our marriage uh, in 2005, we were on the verge of divorce, but thanks be to God, today we are stronger than we've ever been. Uh, Jan and I both come from broken homes. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was nine years old, and all I remember of those earliest years was the constant arguing of my parents. Uh, there was always lots of yelling. Uh, my childhood was never one of peace at home. And though my mother was the daughter of a Baptist preacher, and she was a believer, professed it, uh, when she left home, she found the world more enticing than following Christ. And uh, against her parents' advice, she married my father, who was an unbeliever, and it just didn't go well at all. Uh, I spent lots of time with my grandparents during the worst of the turmoil between my parents, and my grandfather led me to Christ. However, my mother remarried um, after their divorce, and she married another unbeliever. Uh, he was a very decent man, but not a believer, and we moved away due to his job. And so after that, I saw my grandparents just occasionally, Christmases, things like that. And um, as a consequence, I really received, I was new in Christ, and I received no discipling whatsoever and really just had no examples in my daily life of anyone who lived in an abiding relationship with Christ. Okay. I grew up in a house which, in which my father was basically never at home. He was an alcoholic, as were his parents, and didn't become sober until long after I was an adult. He was constantly gone on the professional rodeo circuit, or busy doing anything but being home with his wife and three daughters. One of my most painful memories is when I was a young Girl Scout and my father failed to show up at a father-daughter dance I was the only girl at the dance whose father didn't show up. The father of another girl there felt sorry for me and offered to dance with me, but I didn't want to. I can still feel that sharp sense of humiliation that overwhelmed me that night. When I compared myself with the other girls there, all I could think about was that they must be worthwhile because their fathers had shown up. And I, on the other hand, must not be worth much because mine didn't. My mother took my sisters and I to church occasionally when we were young, but she was not a believer, and she found some imagined reason to get mad at the church, and we quit going. As Jan and I began our married lives, we were both products of our environments, naturally enough. Neither one of us had any idea what a real marriage was supposed to look like. We both just assumed we would make each other happy, and in many ways we did but we were both broken. 
and selfish. And so problems began to manifest. And though we didn't really understand it, both of us were subject to depression. And I, in particular, developed the habit of relying on alcohol as a way of coping with that depression. We would fight, and when I had been drinking, I was not fun to argue with at all. Not that I am now, but it was worse then. And um, I would say terribly unkind things. Uh, I would be very critical. And later, I would feel remorseful for saying those things, and I would apologize. And Jan is actually a very forgiving person. Um, And so she would forgive me, but then the cycle would just repeat itself. After our children were born, Brett and I began to attend church. During that period, I accepted Christ as my Savior. However, we still had problems in our marriage. I convinced myself that all the problems in our marriage were his fault. It was easy to blame him because I could point to his drinking. But the truth was that I too had lots of sin that was contributing to our problems. I would just hide behind the fact that his sin was more visible. The truth was that I had been reared in an environment where no one ever admitted when they were wrong and where feelings and emotions reigned supreme and were never to be challenged. So in retrospect, there were many times when Brett, uh, where Brett would be right in challenging me on my thinking or my actions, but I would not allow it. It was extremely rare for me to ever ask for forgiveness. I would simply withdraw from a conversation if I didn't see any way to blame him. Anything was preferable to admitting that I was wrong or that I needed to ask for forgiveness. That was something I just didn't do. Jan and I have come to understand that we were not created just to believe in Christ as our Savior, but to love Him supremely and to center our very lives on Him above anything else and to build our identities on Him. When we build our lives on anything else, Jesus tells us, He says that we are building a foundation of sand and that the storms of life will destroy what we have built. God says in the very first of his Ten Commandments that we shall have no other gods before him. And the Bible tells us that sin is not just the doing of bad things, but also the making of good things that he's created into ultimate things. And it's sometimes it, it results in seeking to establish a sense of, of self by making someone else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than our relationship to God. And this is what happened to us. Jan and I had both entered our relationship very needy. Uh, we both had childhoods that left us feeling insecure and looking to others for a sense of value. And as a result, we were both looking for someone to fill what we perceived was missing in our lives. We loved each other very deeply, but because we did not have God in his proper place as the ultimate in our lives, our relationship was crumbling. In Pastor Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, he quotes another author who says, no human relationship can bear this burden of godhood. If your spouse is your all, then any shortcoming in him or her becomes a major threat to you. 
What is it that we want when we elevate our spouse to this position? We want to be rid of our feelings of nothingness. To know our existence has not been in vain. We want redemption, nothing less. Needless to say, humans cannot give this. This is exactly where we were as a couple. We had tried to make each other our everything, and neither one of us could live up to that expectation. And so my reaction to this state of affairs was to abuse alcohol as a way of coping with my depression and frustration. And during our arguments, I would become very verbally abusive of Jan, critical to an extreme degree. When we had a very negative pattern of communication, if there were any kind of disagreement between us, I would escalate while Jan would simply withdraw. And what might begin as a minor disagreement over something inconsequential would very quickly turn into a terrible argument. At this point, I had begun to suffer so badly from depression that I began to struggle with very dark thoughts, even contemplating what a relief death would be. I never actually had suicidal thoughts, but I was in a very dangerous place spiritually. During that time, it even occurred to me that any of our struggles were, uh, it never even occurred to me that any of our struggles were my fault. And when I went to see a psychiatrist to get help with my depression, he basically reinforced my belief that none of this was my fault. His solution was to prescribe antidepressants and to tell me that the real source of my problem was twofold. First, his brain chemistry, which the drugs were supposed to help, and then second, that my husband was at fault because of his drinking. He never even suggested that I look at my own shortcomings. For my part, I looked at the overt sin of Brett's drinking and told myself that this was the sole source of my problems, that all our marriage problems were entirely his fault. All of this led us to a point in 2005 that when I came home from a business trip, Jan informed me that she wanted a divorce. I was devastated. I tried to get her to give us another chance but she said she'd already talked to a divorce lawyer and that her decision was final. Our kids came home from school and we sat them down and amidst many tears told them what was happening. It was a horrible day. And that evening I gathered some clothes and went to my mother's house who lived nearby. And that night I had a dream Um, I'll tell you, I I never put any stock in dreams. Um, Usually, by the time I wake up and get the coffee going, I couldn't tell you what I dreamed. They really don't seem to make any sense or have any significance. Uh, But this dream was very different. And to this day, I can remember it just as vivid as if it happened a moment ago. Uh, And I was on a ship at sea, which was strange because I'm not a sailor and hardly ever been on a boat. Um, But there was a terrible storm and the ship was clearly being destroyed and me with it. Um, And for some reason, there was broken glass everywhere. Giant shards of glass were embedded in me and um, I was bleeding profusely. It was very graphic. Um, And suddenly, as if it was a direct revelation, I really don't know if it was a voice or if it just came into my consciousness, but it was clear that it was God speaking to me. And um, he, he indeed confirmed that I was being destroyed by the storm, and then he told me that I was the storm. 
um, I, through my sinful ways, was not only destroying myself, but my family as well. And I woke up um, just completely aware of how broken I was and begging God to forgive me and give me another chance. From that day forward, Brett began to change. I could see that he was different, and we began anew. We both turned our lives over to God and decided to make him our all. We recognized that if our lives and our marriage were going to be put back into order, Christ would have to be our king. It was not an immediate process. We both had to learn how to abide in Christ daily, and I had much yet to learn about my own sinful patterns. I had to work hard to humble myself and learn to admit when I was wrong. I had to learn to ask for forgiveness, but we now had real hope. We had belonged to a church for years, but as we began to search for God anew and to read the Bible daily, we realized that the church we were involved in did not treat God's word with the authority that it merits. We found a church that did see the Bible as a final authority over our lives and began to apply it. The process of learning to follow Christ and trust him was not an immediate thing. Uh, it took time as we studied the Bible and began to apply it to our lives. But gradually, as we did, change took place. I entered a Bible-based 12-step program and with God's help am completely free today of any desire to escape difficulty with alcohol. And Jan and I don't want to pretend that we have a perfect marriage. We still have struggles like everyone else. But there's such a difference in our lives and our marriage, um, the way we deal with those struggles and the way we deal with conflict. We each abide daily in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have a community of believers who are as committed to God and his will for their lives as we want to be. And they help keep us from returning to the isolation that dominated our married lives for so long. We are both completely committed to our marriage in such a way that we cannot even imagine seeking to escape from it anymore. We are working on drawing the circle around ourselves and removing the board from our own eye before we seek to help the other remove the speck from their eye. And I say we're working on it because we both still fail. We know that God's work in each of us will not be finished until he calls us home. But we trust his word. He's given us plenty of reason to. And his word tells us that he who began a good work in us will perfect it until the day he brings us home. And thanks be to God, our marriage is the strongest it has ever been. Brett has become a servant leader in our household. And because of his commitment to the will of God, which can be seen in every aspect of his life, our two sons have been transformed by the change they have seen in the lives of their parents. They are both now wholly committed to God and very involved in various watermark ministries. We are blessed so much at the mercy God has shown us. We want to close our testimony by encouraging you to trust God. We know that many of you are here tonight and are in great pain and feel completely broken and hopeless. We want you to know that we understand how you feel. We have been there. 
The Bible makes it clear that God allows difficult circumstances in our lives so that we so that we will realize that he is our only hope. If you will respond to the painful period that you are going through with a decision to trust Jesus Christ to be both your Lord and both your savior and your Lord, then everything can change. You can experience the same transformation that we have. I want to close our testimony tonight with one of my favorite passages in scripture. God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah and he contrasts the person who rejects God or doesn't fully rely on God with the person who puts his total trust in him. And Jeremiah 17, five through eight reads this way. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. And I would just like to add one thing. I, if, if you can sort of take mental note, as we've led so many groups and as we've um, reflected on our own experience, <clears throat> I think, you know, the key to a marriage is sacrificial love. But the problem is, as many of you know and are learning, we're not able to do that. So how do we become able to do that? Well, I think there's a very simple formula, simple to understand, perhaps more difficult in application. But our problem largely is that we do not trust how good God is. And we have to, if we read his word and look at the story of redemption uh, from thousands of years ago as he began to real, reveal himself, we can see how good he is. That's why Abraham, was. people say, how could, how could Abraham have agreed to take Isaac up uh, with the knowledge that he was going to sacrifice him? The truth is because he had walked with him for 30-something years um, and had seen over and over how trustworthy God is. When we come to understand that, then we're able to do what Jesus tells us we need to do, which is die to ourself. Simply means we're able to, to set aside our wants and our desires knowing that what he wants and what he desires for us is better because we now know how good he is. And when we're able to set aside our desires for his, then his self-giving, self-sacrificing love is really able to flow through us. So I hope this has been helpful. We have been and will continue to pray for you all. And we're very grateful for you allowing us the privilege of sharing our story with you. Thank you.
thank y'all so much for sharing. Um, you know, when we uh, when we hear of of the redemptive power of God and what He is able to do in, in others' lives, sometimes we think, well, that can't happen for me. But Brent said it there at the end. God wants us to have those things. He He desires for us to have the just the fruit of the vine. And so um, they shared just a little bit in, in leaders' dinner tonight about uh, more in depth about their boys and, and just the transformation that's happened in their family. And uh, I want you to realize that as you sit in these seats tonight, you may have children that live at home, you may have children in the future that are, that are to come, or you may have children who have, who have already moved out of the house and they're on their own. But you can be the example that changes their life. You can be the example that they see that makes a difference for them. And so um, just a few key points that they said, they abide daily. They abide in, in Christ daily. It's key. We've got to have him each and every day. They're surrounded by a community, a community of believers that, that picks each other up, that admonishes each other, that, that is willing to get in the trenches and, and just fight for each other. And then the key thing is that um, their identity is in Christ. They know who they are in Christ. And so as you um, jump into this journey of, of re-engage, keep in mind that, that God is there. Sometimes we think, you know, we're going through some rough times and, and we wonder where He is. He just wants us to turn to Him and put our faith and trust in Him. One thing that I've studied in the, in the past few weeks has been Psalm 128, and, and as they told their story tonight, it came to mind. And it says, um, I'm going to read it to you so that I make sure I get it right. It says, How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. You see that in their testimony and in their lives. Just with Brett deciding that he's going to follow Christ and he's going to be all in. And with Jan, it changed her. She saw the servant heart that was in him. She described that to you. And their boys are like olive shoots. They're out there doing the work of the Lord. And so I hope that gives you hope. You, you hear the despair. We often, we live in a world where um, we hear about that day in and day out. And so their story tonight, I hope, give, hope gives you the hope that you need to press on. So thank you all very much. Well, y'all go ahead and give them a hand. If this is your first time here, welcome to Reengage. We're all broken people and, and uh, we all need Christ's work in our lives. And so um, if, if you are here for the first time, we want to invite you to come up. You're going to see people here in just a few minutes go all different directions. But if you'll come up to these first couple of rows, um, 
David and Denise Rinkin will uh, share with you just the, the, an insight on how re-engage works and, and, and share their testimony of, of uh, the Lord's work in their life and just kind of give you an outline of what to expect with, uh, with re-engage. If you are here for your second week and, and, or more and you have not been put in a closed group, then we're going to invite you to go to one of the open group rooms. If you'll go out the back doors, take a left, take a left down the hallway, and a, and a left at the end of the hallway, you'll see two rooms that say open group on the door. Just pick a room and, and go on in. Uh, you'll be welcomed in there. And, uh, and just a time of sharing and, and, and uh, just a, a time of encouragement. And if you're in a closed group, you know where you're going. Now, I do want to say that we have two groups that are commencing tonight. That is, um, give them a hand, the Hams and the Thompsons. And as we shared with them, it's just the beginning. They're, uh, they're going to take these tools that they've gotten, these principles that they've learned and in, in re-engage, and they are going to uh, continue to work hard on those things. And so um, I just want to give you a word of encouragement that uh, you're in the right place. You're in a place where uh, the Lord does work. And so thank you all, all for being here. Let me close this in prayer, and then we'll uh, go to our respective places. Father, we thank you so much for um, your love, your grace, your mercy, for the gift of your son, Jesus, and, and um, what he, the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. Father, I just ask that you would um, just open all hearts and minds that are here in this room tonight to, to hear from you. And as they um, go to their respective places tonight, Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be alive inside of each one of them, that, uh, that you would do a mighty work in the lives of each one of these people that are here tonight. Father, we thank you for uh, Brett and Jan and for um, what you've done in their lives and, and, and just for the commitment that they make to, uh, to serve you and to follow you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we just ask for your presence in this place tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.